Listen. Are you listening? <laughs> This is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Okay, come here. Come on, let's go. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. Thanks so much for joining us today here on Radio Taiwan International. Up ahead this hour, it's hashtag Taiwan highlights and in the spotlight. But as always, we kick things off with a brand new episode of Here in Taiwan. Hello there, and welcome to Here in Taiwan. If you're just joining us on our Facebook live stream, welcome to you. Today is Wednesday, September 29th. And if you're joining us via the radio, welcome to you as well. We've almost, you've almost made it. It's now September 30th. I'm John Van Trieste, and joining me here in the studio on this penultimate day of September is Leslie Liao. Hello, John. I just used the word penultimate. I That's a very a fancy word. Coming up next, we're going to be telling you about the extreme lengths Taiwanese police went through to help someone find their missing lottery ticket. Also, we'll be telling you about the latest brouhaha in the legislature. Ooh, they like to they like to get physical, don't they? They they do tend to go physical. They and really also, do. And also about a a, a new uh, initiative by Google. To help Taiwan beat fake news. All that coming up next. Please stick around. Well, it's not every police force in the world that can help with uh, things like missing lottery tickets. But if you've got that sort of a problem, Taiwan is probably the, one of the best places in the world to have it, huh? Yeah, um, and this is coming hot off the heels of a story. Well, we've talked about stories like this countless times police on here in Taiwan. Do all kinds of weird jobs. They do uh, do all kinds of weird jobs. And on Monday, I spoke about a man who had to buy tea for an old guy who was who had heat stroke. So an old man had heat stroke and he fell on the side of the road. And when the first responders came, all he said was, I need tea. I will not um, less sugar, no ice. And so and th then that's so what the police, police went yeah, and got for him. That's what the police officer went and got for him. And then Wouldn't he just have had water. No, he wanted he was adamant about the tea. He was adamant wow. about the tea. But Taiwan's police force is added again, um, this time in the central city of Lukang, which is close to Zhanghua, which is close mm -hmm. to Taizong. It's kind of a lot of close to close to's, but yeah. basically central Taiwan. Central Taiwan. And uh, here's what happened. So the police tracked down an, a man who threw away a, a lottery ticket worth one million new Taiwan dollars. Are we talking an actual lottery ticket? Or as our listeners, some may, may know, Taiwan also has a receipt lottery where whenever you buy something, you're entered into it. No, no, no. This is an actual... Like uh, a scratch off? This isn't a scratch off. This is like the numbers one. The numbers game. Yeah, okay. yeah. And this is coming hot off the heels. Well, Taiwan's kind of had lottery mania because I think a month ago, we were looking at jackpots worth like 42 billion or not, not 42 billion, like 20-something billion you, uh, wow. new Taiwan dollars. I mean, if you think about it, we only have 23 million people, so the odds are not terrible. Yeah, they're not terrible. And then um, here's the thing. Because it was Mid-Autumn Festival last week, Taiwan's lottery system actually opened a few extra prizes. They got a few Ooh. million, uh, like uh, a few extra prizes worth 1 million new Taiwan dollars. And what happened was... Um, so this is actually a combined effort on many people's parts. Check this out. 
an an old man surnamed Wu bought a lottery ticket and assumed he didn't win anything, so he threw it away. He didn't check. He didn't win. He I don't think he checked. He just assumed he didn't win. That's not. Well, what's the point of buying lottery tickets if you're not going to check to see if you won? I mean, maybe he just didn't check the right ones. I, or he it was like a fit of frustration. He had he had a stack of eight, and then all the first um, seven were. Uh, so he threw out the good with yeah, the bad. Yeah, he threw out the good with the bad. But he had a winning number. He had a winning number. How did he? So he found that out too late. Uh, he did find it find it out too late. But check this out: the the manager of the lottery shop. Uh, he has a habit of checking all the tickets that's been tossed. So if he didn't do this, if he didn't check all these tickets. Would have fallen through we the would cracks. have lost. The, yeah, it would have fallen through. It would have been the cr- cracks lost forever. And this time, he found one of the lottery tickets, which is worth one million New Taiwan dollars, or about thirty-six thirty-six thousand U.S. dollars. Um, the following morning, instead of keeping the lottery ticket for himself, he called the police and asked for their assistant uh, assistance with locating the lucky winner. So kind of like using surveillance camera footage to find out who the guy was that purchased it. Yeah. So what they did is they bis- they had the time of uh, ticket. Purchase. Okay, it's printed on there. On, it's printed on the lottery ticket, right? And then they cross-referenced that with uh, surveillance camera footage. And they found the man based on his scooter license plate. Wow, what a lot of detective work went into finding they this They tracked guy. him down. And here's the thing. This, this, this is even where the story ends. When the police first approached this man, well, they thought he, he thought they were a fraud ring. Oh, there are groups that will call you up like that in Taiwan, being like, you've yeah. got this or that, and it's never... You always yeah. have to deposit some money first, or there's some catch and, where uh, to get your money. I just wanted to know how much convincing was involved, because the police actually had to persuade him that he did win the prize. And uh, they took him to the shop, and the winner, you know, he was so touched that he wanted to give the shop owner an envelope containing 2,000 New Taiwan dollars. 60 bucks, US. 60 bucks, so, but the shop owner would only take half of that. A thousand. Still to something. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, he, he spent that thousand on candies for his customers to Aww. celebrate the event. Because in Taiwan, um, it's not just the lottery winner that gets money, but the, the vendor. The too. vendor that gets a little bit. Get, they they get, get a bit of a cut. So it's a bit of a happy occasion for more than one person. Yeah. This, is ha- this happens more than once. But wow, there's so many things that could have gone wrong in this story that, uh, that, that fascinates me. Like if that vendor didn't check the the throw the toss tickets you know if the police didn't get involved if this man really was convinced he was being targeted by a fraud ring like just hung up yeah yeah this money could have uh evaporated it just it's just could have been gone it could have been lost to the void wow to uh to oblivion as they say police that's that's taiwanese well emergency services in general the lengths to which people will go to to make sure people a lot of things that don't really necessarily constitute an emergency in other parts of the world here they will the services and not just will handle that it. but the manager also called the police right yeah no, so he, like that's like another somewhere thing. else he'd be like ah eh, whatever toss it yeah yeah or it's like keep it for yourself true yeah well that would look suspicious that would look it's a lottery yeah that would not look great I don't yeah. think but eh, that's cool he's got his money now how much did you say the prize was one million New Taiwan dollars which is about thirty six thousand U S dollars not bad not that's bad. pretty good money. Got some comments there. What are you looking at? Uh, I got one from Douglas North who says, uh, "Hey guys, hope you're doing well." He says, "Wow, I was miffed when I lost a two a scratcher worth two dollars." I've never won anything. So one time I did a scratch off and won like fifty cents, basically, uh-huh. and I used that to buy another card because that's how much they cost. And yeah, then yeah. I didn't win it. Well, so. that's that's what you do. That's how they get you, right? You win a little bit. You win just enough to cover the next ticket. And then, so yeah, that's the most I've ever won. They get you go until uh, <sighs> until you stop. <laughs> well. So when you mentioned that something happened at the legislature, I went, not again. Uh, yeah. Taiwan's legislature, for those who don't know, 
is a colorful place. It makes democracy in other countries look absolutely boring. Even even like the the British House of Commons where they're all, oh, yay, yay. Well, I mean, that looks very dull in comparison to what goes on here. They've famously had water fights and threw pig guts in the on the floor at one point. I like to call it the boxing ring, John. It kind of is. Yeah, I like to call it the it's boxing kind of, ring. It can get physical, too. And like that's violent. exactly what happened. So um, again? Again, yesterday. Why can't they res- these people restrain themselves? Uh, I don't know, but there was, um, there was this... Say, they say democracy isn't a spectator sport, but that doesn't mean it's a full contact sport either, this, does this, it? It does. It, well, in Taiwan, it in is Taiwan absolutely it full contact. And um, there is actually one legislator who kind of has a... Um, she has a reputation of being a very strong presence. And by strong, I don't want to say she like likes to pick fights, but she's very outspoken, and she's not afraid to like get into arguments. And they call her the Valkyrie. Like after oh wow uh, yeah she they, they, they call Did her they play like, that that Wagner bit when she walks into the room oh that would be amazing but I don't think someone gets do. a wind machine blowing yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like a whole uh, professional <laughs> a professional wrestling entrance a lightning effect <laughs> get this though so this is this was all part of a scheduled like policy uh, address they're never boring in Taiwan are they they're never boring so what, what was what was the policy about this time uh, it wasn't the policy it's kind of like a state of the union that the premier has to deliver to the legislature okay. right he's just like this is what we did and this is what we do well I heard that they boycott the opposition party boycotted it. they did the KMT boycotted this so this uh, speech was supposed to take place on the first time on September 24th uh, but the thing is, the opposition party boycotted it, so they had to postpone it until yesterday, which is September 28th. And um, get this, this this was all bad from the beginning, because the KMT not only boycotted this meeting, but several KMT legislators actually occupied seats that were reserved for like other, other government officials, right, who were supposed to be present at the policy uh, speech. And then, so they just like took their seats and were like, you can stand. Yeah, you can stand. But the thing <laughs> is, like, with, with uh, I think with What's it called? Robert's Rules of uh, order, order or something like that? Yeah. We follow that? I, some version of it because... Because we're not like a parliament. Not no. really, but there are like rules stating that people need to be seated at certain places okay. before this thing can happen. And then mm. uh, not just that, but the DPP legislators had to kind of create this human shield around the speaking, the speaking podium here? because that way the KMT couldn't the opposition party they couldn't occupy that space which means the the premier couldn't give his policy speech right so like he has to be in front of the podium in order to give the speech and if they can't give it remotely or from elsewhere no you can't pre-record it or anything like that so this is this all just broke out into pandemonium and get this susan tong the premier made it to the podium and his policy speech was 54 words that's it. 54 Chinese words. That's all he could get it out before they... No, no, no. That's... That, yeah, that, but that was like... He's just like, if you're going to boycott me, then I'm going to phone this one in. Mm. And then he kind of just like, you know, we've done great. Pandemic's good. Econ- uh, pandemic's under control. Ec- economy's doing great. And then he's just like, that's it. It was wow. like a two minute. And then he was supposed to field questions because that's required by law. Right. And the opposition party was making so much ruckus that another legislator had to chime in and be like, you guys are being really loud. <laughs> so I can't hear them. And then... Did they ask really insulting questions? Like, I, I, I mean, if you've seen Taiwan's legislature, I bet they did. But the main reason why the, came, uh, the opposition party wanted to boycott uh, this policy speech was because uh, 
the opposition party wants the ruling party to take responsibility for the COVID-19 outbreak that happened in mid-May mm. because they say that stemmed from a quarantine policy, a lenient quarantine policy for reserved for pilots. From returning from overseas who brought it in, spread yeah. it around, yeah. and um, that's why we got the Delta. That's why, That's how we got the Delta. And that's why, like, uh, in Taiwan at least, but the deep the ruling party is just like look we didn't do anything wrong this just kind of happens and then somebody broke just the rules it kind of happens you know people just bring in the delta variant. yeah no, i mean i mean they're not they're not wrong but like they have to like be like that <laughs> they yeah. kind of just listen politely and then this is what happens is just Everything broken in pandemonium. But did anyone throw anything? That's nobody, what I know. Nobody threw anything. Were chairs thrown? How? Uh, no chairs I've were thrown. I've seen that happen before. However, were podiums thrown? No, the podium was okay. Obnoxious signs. They do that sometimes. Uh, no obnoxious signs. This I need is water. Pretty, I think this was a pretty impromptu. This is tamed uh, by Taiwanese standards. I mean, it, it looks were, almost were, like a mosh pit. Were punches thrown? Yes, punches were thrown. Oh, really? Punches you, were thrown. So what's the? I mean, really, like our version of C-SPAN, which we do have, should have like a like a sports commentary. I'm sure there's there's oh, already. Oh, and he's taking a tumble. There's a highlight reel on YouTube somewhere. They've made it past the 30 yards towards the podium, and they're going for it. He. <laughs> Mike, go all the way. <laughs> you do a touchdown dance when they... Uh. I mean, yeah, that, I mean, basically, the premier had a touchdown dance, right? He gave a 54 It's not much of a victor victorious speech. He probably had to, like, read it out real fast. No. Before they could push him away. There's no picture of it here, but the Valkyrie legislator I was talking about, she showed up in, like, motor she, like motorcycle gloves. Seriously? Yeah, she had, like, motorcycle gloves and, like, a mask. Uh, well, everyone had a mask, I'm assuming, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but, like, she she just looked like she was, like, a Marvel she character. She was ready to... What, did she have a cape? No, she should have. Oh, that's yeah. disappointing. She was... She was she, but so, she like, wasn't this is tamed by Taiwanese standards. <laughs> this is tamed by Taiwanese standards. But then again, what kind of picture are we point painting for our listeners out there who's just like, what kind of animal house is over there? I have to say the most disgusting thing they ever did was when they threw pig innards on the floor. Like, they threw them. They strewed... Strew... What's the past of... Str strewn? They strewed them they around the room. And like I confetti. just, to this day, feel bad for the cleaning staff there. Yeah, they did. It was, it was to protest uh, the import of U.S. pork, which the opposition did not want because it contained something. Yeah. Like an uh, additive called ractopamine. And so... That, that caused a bit of a ruckus. Yeah. What's the most colorful thing you've ever seen, though? Is that the... Did the pig guts really take the cake? You know, no, it's like, I think pig guts, as far as, like, weird things that's been thrown around in the legislature... As far as theatrics, that's They the had a one. giant, like, inflatable pig. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they had a giant inflatable pig. That was. I was like, wow. This I mean, is... they have like a props department, I guess, somewhere yeah, in the party. Like, in the party, you're just wondering, like, is there just like a props workshop at the opposition has? Just like it's, what? It's, it's theatrical. Giant yeah. paper mache pig. Got it. I need it by three thirty tomorrow. Stat. <laughs> Not a problem. And then they're just like dealing with just these crazy requests. Um, <sighs> I think one of the craziest things that I saw was this is a, a number of years back, but I think the legislative speaker was trying to say something, and then an opposition party member, he snatched the paper out of his hand, and the legislative speaker, without missing a beat, just threw a punch at the guy who snatched it. <laughs> and then I was just like, wow, there, he didn't even, like, wait to see. He just... He just started he throwing hands. Yeah, he was just like, nobody what? snatches my paper. So do you remember what... Because I can't remember now. Why were they throwing water everywhere that one time? I... Do, it, was it the... Um, like, they had water bottles, and they just uncapped them and started... It was like a, it was like that could be any number of reasons. They've done that more than once. That I mean that that also seems kind of tame. But I think that might be was it was that with the fire with the at the water park? 
I know. I can't remember what no? it was. Okay. Yeah. Huh. So Douglas North says, Inflatable Pig sounds like a Pink Floyd concert, and you're not wrong. You're I not mean, wrong. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of things you could compare it to, but it's definitely a theatrical democracy that we have here. Right, very Taiwan. theatrical. Mm-hmm. Well, Taiwan is not immune to fake news. Despite all its other successes in containing COVID and all that, fake news is still a problem that we have to deal with here. Google is stepping in to help that by uh, providing one million U.S. dollars to something called the Taiwan Fact Check Center, uh, and the idea is to hold a variety of workshops and other events to get people, especially those who are probably the least digitally savvy, shall we say, mm. to understand that what they're reading online is not necessarily true and in fact probably is not depending on where they're getting their information i didn't know that taiwan had this problem until probably last year when we had our most recent presidential election and that was the first time that fake news was in the news here in taiwan yeah have you ever come across anything like that i know that um a lot of uh, operatives with certain agendas target especially older people yeah who maybe are not quite sure about uh sources online i've definitely like received uh, like questionable news articles from from relatives, from or... relatives, older relatives, and um, you know what? It's you know what's what's terrifying is that they're so set in their ways. I really don't want to get into a debate with yeah. them. Well, they share it with each other too. They do. Um, in their in their especially line the social media app. So it's like groups. an echo chamber, right? Yeah. You, you only hear what you want to hear, and then anybody who says anything you don't want to hear, you just kind of right. just shut your ears. Um, so yes, uh, senior citizens are among the target audiences for these, but also they say people in like rural areas, more remote areas, uh, also newly naturalized citizens and indigenous groups. I think that those are probably both quite savvy groups. I think so. Yeah. 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 I mean, there must be a reason why they're targeting because newly naturalized citizens often those are basically Nobel prize winners, aren't they? Yeah. Or spouses of Taiwanese people. You have to be very accomplished to be naturalized um, in Taiwan. Um, so they're going to work with other groups. And I didn't know we had so many, uh, just to name a few. There's Fake News Cleaner, Taiwan Media Watch, and the National Association for the Promotion of Community Universities. Never heard of these. Uh, well, they're all teaming up together and uh, to do some education. They're thinking that with their million dollars, they can fund some 70 workshops and train 700 social media literacy trainers. Very ambitious. That's a very specific job. That's very ambitious. Um, that is a specific job. However, I, I think that probably a lot more needs to be done because they say all this will benefit an estimated 23,000 people. Well, we've got uh, 23 million people here in that's Taiwan. That's like 23,000. So, that's like a hundred, one 100th. That's 1% of the population. That's not, yeah, that's not uh, terribly helpful. Um, and so, yeah, that's uh, what they're going to try and do and uh, boost, improve the country's information ecosystem and boost the quality of news. I don't know how they're going to do that. For all of its good points, news is not something that Taiwan generally does very well, with the exception of one or two outlets. A lot of it's very, like, well, sensational. I hope, I, I hope you mean one of those outlets is RTI, yeah, John. of course. <laughs> no, but there's a lot of, if you tune in to your average TV news station, a lot of uh, sensational coverage and... There's also a, a push to dramatize things a bit. Which they do. To, they do. Like way past proportion of. I remember there was a report when there was the Ebola outbreak in Africa and one news station, they played footage from 
a movie about like zombies. Yeah, no, like, and I was just like, I that is like, come on, a man. A lot of that is that is a, just there's a lot of per capita news stations, and they probably have a lot of competition to attract yeah. viewership and advertisers. Well, Taiwan has so many news channels in general yeah. for such a small area. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I think that where I'm from in the states, there's like the three major national one, maybe like five, but Taiwan has more than that. Yeah. And it, that's and not even counting like online, online, online media. Yeah, that's a lot, that's another big issue. That's in, that's um, a lot. Um, and I've read that. Well, there are very few of them these days, but the the major papers, which have largely now gone digital, also have mm. a, a big uh, financial incentive to maybe push things a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Maybe bend some facts. That's what happens when you let sell, profits sell. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. Because one of the biggest ones that was the uh, Apple Daily. Right. right. They and shut down for the digital print. But the, one of the reasons why they were the best-selling newspapers was because they were very tabloidy. They just had huge pictures yeah. and, like, dramatizations. Tabloid is the word that I've heard to use to describe them. I'm not saying that they're not uh, accurate. The other thing that's the thing that's good about Apple Daily is that it's fast. Yeah. Whenever a story breaks and you hear about it, Apple Daily will cover it first. But then yeah. maybe... maybe uh, Unlike more conservative outlets, that maybe don't wait to check a lot of double, triple check everything. Yes. So. And do you know what it is? I think it. We've just might we might have been in this for too long, John. But like, it's a lot. It gets a lot more attention when you get something out fast and you're the first one to get it. Yeah, in and, Taiwan, there's a lot of competition to do yeah. that. So and uh, then I you think... publishing a redaction later is just like, well, it's kind of like. The, the yeah. norm. <laughs> it's just like, well, we got that one wrong. Sorry, guys. Corrections yeah, section. sorry, guys. Um, yeah, so, you know, uh, it's good, though, that they're teaming, Google's teaming up with all these organizations, though, because uh, it is something that I think in the coming years will get even worse. It seems to be a growing problem around the world. I, I think, yeah, this isn't a problem exclusive to Taiwan. It's, uh, it's definitely something that you have to be on the lookout because anytime you plug into the internet, you're basically plugging into the rest of the world, right? Right, right. So it's, it's hard not to... I think, unfortunately sort of uh, official news mm -hmm. government news outlets like like ourselves yeah, yeah. or um our fellows at over at the central news agency yes maybe aren't the most haven't got the biggest share of the market in terms of no because what we say is like an official said this it's, yeah yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah sort of a, a somebody who's an expert in this said this and it's a little it's more filtered really... is what it is right exactly and, and a lot more uh matter of fact exactly you know exactly. we're not speculating we just, uh, yeah, we we actually cut out the parts that are speculative. Yeah, yeah, we 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 make it a point. We just so, say A happened, B happened. That's it. I don't know. Um, well, I mean, we've, we're going to have another election next year, aren't we? So, uh, twenty twenty two. Yeah, midterm elections. We're going to have a. I guess in addition to fists being thrown, a lot of uh, more fake news to come up. Oh, against. you're gonna see. We're gonna so, see billboards with guys with one of three. You know, with the they candidates. have all. They only have a couple of poses. There's this. Yeah. There's this. And there's this. There's this. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, I've seen people like holding torches and things too. Like that's insane. Kind of what torches for it's the a, Olympics? Not like a fake torch. Like I'm leading the way type of thing. Oh, that's not what I think about. <laughs> what I hear about someone holding a torch. Anyway, uh, it's something that needs to be tackled. Google is, even if just a million dollars isn't going to do that much. It's Leading up to an election, this is a very pivotal a time. Start. Also, got any more comments before we head out? Uh, no. Nazir C says Aslamu alaikum and All alaikum right. aslam. And let me check one more time. No, Stan Farley joining us from Kansas. Hello, Stan. Good to see you. Um, man, he is Stan is a 
he's a loyal listener. <laughs> I mean, he he tunes in at like five in the morning at local yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, it's uh maybe it works night shift, I guess. I, I guess know. so. Well, good to well, see you, Stan. Wiser. Either way, thank you for joining us and thank you for leaving a comment. That's all we have time for on today's edition of Here in Taiwan. I'm John Vantrias, and I'm Leslie Liao. Don't go anywhere just yet because up next it's hashtag Taiwan highlights and in the spotlight. <laughs> Welcome to Hashtag Taiwan. I'm your host, Leslie Liao. Thank you so much for joining me. Every week on this show, we take a look at what's trending in Taiwan, whether it's social media, YouTube videos, or maybe a piece of news that people are really talking about online. This week, I'm going to be talking to you about agricultural trade with China. Now, this might seem like an unusual topic for a show about internet trends, but I assure you this conversation has actually been happening since as early as March of this year. Because back in March, China banned Taiwanese pineapples from entering their market because of pest problems. But a lot of people actually thought that was to exert some economic pressure on Taiwan. Well, the same thing happened again last week, and I'm going to tell you about it in this week's Hashtag Taiwan coming up right now. Do you guys remember Freedom Pineapples? Well, if you don't, here's a bit of a refresher. In March, China banned the import of Taiwanese pineapples, citing pest problems. Before the ban, a majority of Taiwanese pineapple exports went to China. Taiwanese officials said that 99% of exported pineapples passed inspections, so they thought that the ban was bogus. But Taiwan had enough faith in its pineapples that it said, fine, China, don't take our pineapples. We'll find another place for them. The campaign was a success with people in Taiwan and places like South Korea and Japan buying up all the excess pineapple stock. Now, a similar thing is happening with these two fruits. Do you know what they are? Well, if you don't, don't worry, because odds are if you don't live in a tropical climate, then you've never seen one of these weird looking fruits. One is a wax apple, the other is a sugar apple, also known as a custard apple. These are two popular fruits Taiwan is known for. So on Sunday, China suddenly banned wax apple and sugar apple imports from Taiwan. The ban was to take effect on Monday at 9am, giving farmers less than 24 hours notice that one of their largest markets was closed off. China said it detected mealybugs in wax apple and sugar apple shipments from Taiwan. Okay, but here's the thing though. In the first half of 2021, China notified Taiwan that it found mealybugs in 13 sugar apple shipments and 6 wax apple shipments. Okay, that's fair. But there were no reports of mealybugs in July and August, the two months leading up to this latest ban. In response, Taiwan's Council of Agriculture said China provided no scientific evidence for the first mealybug reports. 
Furthermore, before the ban, Taiwan told China it updated its agriculture regulations to include more rigorous tests for sugar apples. So some authorities think that China's ban is a way to put an economic squeeze on Taiwan. Around 90% of Taiwan's sugar apple and wax apple exports go to China, so fruit farmers are once again facing the problem of too much stock with no place to go. This time around though, Taiwan is equipped with its Freedom Pineapple experience, so another campaign kicked off, this time helping Taiwan's sugar apple and wax apple farmers. Government officials posted to social media encouraging people to purchase domestic wax apples and sugar apples. This time though, instead of Freedom Pineapples, we're looking at Freedom Fruit. Though I do think the hashtag missed an opportunity with Freedom Apples. No matter pine wax or sugar, Taiwan's only got good apples. You see, Agriculture Ministry, it's not that hard for me. Just give me a call next time. Taiwan's various farmers are posting their goods online and taking orders which are quickly selling out. Even Taiwan's Agriculture Minister is showcasing wax apple goods on his social media page that people can buy. Pingtung County Magistrate Pan Meng An, whose county produces a lot of wax apples, even showed off the different kinds of wax apples people can try. Now look, it's fair if China wants to ban Taiwan's agriculture exports based on poor quality, but everything we've seen so far gives us room to doubt. Either way, Taiwan's fruits are looking for a new market, so be on the lookout because you might just find wax apples and sugar apples at your local supermarket soon. And there you go, this week's hashtag Taiwan. I hope you guys learned a little something, whether that be about wax apples or sugar apples or about why Taiwan finds China's sudden ban a little suspicious. Anyway guys, like I said in the segment, this might mean that wax apples or custard apples are coming to a supermarket near you. I myself haven't had much experience with these fruits, particularly the sugar apple, but I will tell you that they, the few times that I've had had them, they've been very, very good. Anyway guys, that's it for this week's Hashtag Taiwan. Don't forget to leave us a message, whether it's on our Facebook page or on our YouTube. You can find us on Facebook at Taiwan Insider, or you can find us on YouTube at RTI English. I'll be back again with another episode of Hashtag Taiwan next week. And until then, stay safe, stay happy, stay healthy. Talk to you again soon. This is Highlights, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. Now at the top of our show, we promised you we're going to show you how to eat one of these uh, custard apples, or actually sugar apples. I think we should start off with the wax apple. Okay, it's a little oh, easier. That's it's easier. A, it's a little milder too. So okay. If we, um, these are delicious. So these we've had pretty Very juicy. We don't need to yeah. uh, worry too this much. This is just about pop them and go. They're very sweet and very juicy. A mm. lot of water. They're good for quenching your thirst if you need to. Mm. Mm. I don't. Yeah, it's, it's definitely heavy on the water. Right? Yeah, it's mm -hmm. definitely kind of like quite a water. No, you know. Yeah, like you said, very juicy, watery fruit. Not very, not like a super strong flavor. But my mm. grandma used to love to cut these up and yeah. just like toss them at me. So. Oops. I oh, am a connoisseur of these wax <laughs> apples, I might say. What I'm not a connoisseur of those is this right here. Yeah, I'm going to get into this. I, and, uh, I, um, I this is really very know. intriguing. I mean, what do you do? Cut it open? Well, tear it open? Well, you know, here's the thing. So there's many, like, little grooves to it, right? And funny, fun fact, they're also called a Buddha head fruit. Right. Because it looks like a Buddha's head. Th that's what I was going to say, you know. Um, look like a Buddha. <laughs> so the thing about custard apples is... Um, it's a little, they're a little firm right now, right? These are a little firm. Yeah. And over time, they're supposed to soften up. 
and there was like a little window of softness where they're perfect to be like cut open or worked open. Oh. But like it's like a day or two. And if you oh. miss that window, they almost become mushy. What right. about this one? Then? I feel like we're a bit early with these. We're I'm a bit not, earlier. Oh. I'm, not, I'm not an expert. Well. <laughs> Does it? Oh. Well. It doesn't open. It probably means this will be less messy than it, it could well have been. So <laughs> how I was taught was just like you just kind of like go in because this is where the grooves <laughs> of the fruits are, right? You, you just got <laughs> to like go into it, right? You just got to, you see, so I got a little bit of I'm skin right here. You can open it up like in half, right? You can open it up in half, but oh, it's, oh, it's too oh, hard. Going yeah, I'm these not are strong enough for this. These are not quite as ripe yet because usually they'll just fall apart. <laughs> it's sweet. It's sweet. It's not as sweet as like, as when it would be like at that peak ripeness, but it, a lot of it's seeds in there as well. Way. A lot of seeds. You see the black little spots right there? A lot of seeds. That's what's going on in there. Okay, what so I'm, you get the idea. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that is how you eat a custard apple or a sugar apple. Um, I don't think we have to teach you how to eat the wax apple. You just basically cut and go. But we hope this was as educational as it was for you as it was for us. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. And my guest today is all the way from, well, I mean, she's in Washington, D.C. And um, she is Minnie Sun. She's the co-founder of Taiwan Mixed, but she's also a senior now at George Washington University, uh, studying, well, majoring in international business and minor in anthropology. So let's meet Minnie. Hi, Minnie. Hi. Hi, Shirley. Hi, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, Minnie, did you pick the name Minnie because you like Minnie, the, like Mickey Mouse Minnie? Um, I believe so. I believe that three-year-old me did like Minnie Mouse a lot. <laughs> Oh, so you decided My your mom let me pick. Oh, your mom let you pick. Oh, well, yeah. that is so cute. Because I thought that usually parents decide their your names for you. But anyway, all right. So anyway, you are actually well. Your home is Kaohsiung, which is you know down yes. south, uh, southern Taiwan. You said your whole life you actually studied at um, American school. Is it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so that's why your English is so perfect. <laughs> and um, <laughs> you left for Taichung at the age of fifteen. And then you went on to Washington, D.C. for college. And yep. um, you were back here during COVID um, in March 2020. 2020. Oh, March 2020. Yeah, yeah, like right. very, very, very early on. Yeah. Right, right. And then you've been, you had actually been home in Taiwan till like about a month ago, uh, two months ago. Yeah, two months ago. Uh, um, a month, a month, a month ago, yeah. Yeah, a, a month, month ago, ago right. Yeah. When you um, went back to school. And um, so you took a gap year, actually, yes. because of COVID. Right. right. So, what, what, I mean, a lot of students did that, too, at, at George Washington. It was that they, they decided to take a gap year? Well, there are a couple of people who I know I know of, not um, don't exactly know them, who made the same decision I did. Some people did it for financial reasons. Some people did it because they simply didn't want to do Zoom classes, Zoom University. Yeah. Um, but I would say that the majority of people didn't. Um, like this wasn't like a, you know, it wasn't like a thing that huh. 
was popular among students. Wow. Um, so actually, yeah. classes just kept on, and、um, but then it was all you know like online classes. But you and some other people decided to take the the year off.、Uh, so so that's what it was. I mean,、right. the classes、yeah. just kept on going though. Oh. oh yeah, the yeah the world goes on. <laughs> They just moved everything online. I mean, there was a lot of well, not a lot. There were a number of I think reports and studies showing that you know even for like there was online daycare,、um, like online preschool. Online daycare. Okay. Yeah. How does that work? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Maybe it didn't work very well because you know there were a lot of complaints from. Um, from parents, from adults, there is studies about how it's stunting the growth, you know, like the social growth of of children, of their,、yeah. you know, young children. And for us, it's like an inconvenience to not be able to see our friends. But for you know a three year old, that's that impacts their development.、So. Sure, sure, that is true.、Yeah. That is true. I mean, why did you decide to take a gap year? Were you really worried, and your parents were really worried about COVID, and so they wanted you home? Well. Um, I think either way, whether or not I took a gap year, I would have been home. It was、um, not, you know, not possible, quite frankly, for me to have just gone back to the U.S. That wasn't something we ever considered.、Um, I took a gap year because, first of all, I didn't want to do Zoom、right. classes at, you know, like at 2 a.m. That just wasn't something that. I felt like going to do. All right, because you, you, yeah. You, no matter what, you decided to come home. And right, yeah, for、right. that matter, the classes were kept going, but the thing is that the time difference. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and I, I also、see. felt like it wasn't worth it to pay, you know, like、mm. an incredible amount of money. Yes. To stare at a screen.、Oh, yeah. Okay, but now that you're back in Washington D.C., how are the classes done? You are having like physical classes. Yes, we are. Yeah, Every- <laughs> it's kind of incredible. It's crazy to to think about, but we are、um, doing physical classes. There's no social distancing.、Yeah. It's just everyone has to wear a mask and even in classroom.、Um, oh yeah, I mean、okay. especially in classrooms. Yeah,、okay. um, indoors you have to wear a mask. How about outdoors? Outdoors, no. Okay.、Um, yeah, and、uh, where I think you- they are going by DC guidelines. Okay. And、yeah. where where、uh, where did you get vaccinated? Well, I got my first dose in Taiwan with the like the leftover doses, the Tenji. Yeah. yeah. yeah.、Um, Which one?、Um, AstraZeneca. I got AZ. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then for my second shot, I got that in America, and I got Moderna. Oh, okay.、Huh. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting. You, so, you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Okay, so、um, anyway, so classes are back to normal, like like nothing happened, kind of, except for the fact that you're all wearing masks in doing class, right? Right. Ah,、oh, mm-hmm. okay. And testing, like regular testing. And、yeah. and what? And regular testing. So you, even if you are vaccinated,、um, they have you get tested every two weeks. Oh, really? And if you're not, every week. Yeah, which I'm honestly very happy about because a lot of my friends, their schools. Um, don't require any testing for vaccinated people.、Um, yeah, but, but obviously, you know,、okay. it's not like if you're vaccinated, you're 100% safe. So, but the testing—I mean, don't you get poked in the nose? That kind of testing? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I yeah. Ha- I would hate to actually, do that. Once every、oh、two weeks? Oh no, I would hate that. It's actually—I've honestly gotten kind of、um, gotten used to it because 
So when I had to leave, when I left for America, um, we had to, you know, everyone has to get a negative test that is, I think, 72 hours prior to flying. Yes. So that one was in a hospital in Taiwan done by like a doctor. Uh-huh. And it goes all the way up your nose, like to where your eyes are. And it was horrible. Oh, yeah. um, I was like, I wanted to do this once. And uh-huh. then I went back. And then I found out from my friend that this bi-weekly, well, not bi-weekly, um, once every two weeks yeah. testing was like you do it by yourself. And I, yeah. I freaked out because I was like, there's no way I can't, I can't physically shove that cotton thing up my nose up there. Like I can't do that. Yeah. Um, but it turns out it's a little different and the um the 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 cotton what's it called the cotton thing it doesn't swab. go that far up okay. yeah the cotton swab mm-hmm. doesn't go that far up so it's fine and I'm used to it and everything's uh, everything's cool <laughs> <laughs> I was very freaked out in the beginning okay well that's good to know huh but I'm glad that they're doing that you know taking the, that kind of precaution I think that's really important it makes yeah, everybody sure, feel sure. safe yeah wow right, okay right, so yeah. now I'm learning more about how the situation is in the U.S. even though I think uh, daily confirmed cases is still pretty high, isn't it, over there in the States? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. Compared right. to Taiwan. Think... Yeah. But, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, by right. far, yeah. Okay, okay. But I do think that um, what I think my school is doing is, I don't think it's a very um, fair snapshot of what the rest of the U.S. is doing. Oh, really? Um yeah, I mean, I I feel like this is this applies for really everything in DC. Um, it's the, how things are in DC just isn't how they are mm-hmm. in the rest of the U.S. and especially in this like in the neighborhood where my s- school is. It's we're in Foggy Bottom and it's a very you know rich and uh-huh. and rich. Rich and rich and rich place. <laughs> okay. Um, even compared to the rest of DC, especially compared to the rest of the US. So, you know, vaccination rates are higher here. Mm. I mean, both because people are willing to vac- be be vaccinated and also because people are able to get vaccinated, I think. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's just like on the part of vaccinations. But I think this applies to a lot of other things regarding COVID and also just a lot of things in general. Um, people have a better here. <laughs> That people have a better what? People have a better um, in in Foggy Bottom. Like I don't think this is a very, I don't think this is very representative of the rest of DC or the rest of the US. And oh, I think okay. that applies to most things. All right. Sorry, I'm not aware of you know what reports have been saying about the states. Um, what in particular are you talking about? Well, I think um, for example. Um, I kind of very briefly touched on this earlier, but my school is requiring testing of everyone, regardless of vaccination status, for example, just, you know, more often if you're not vaccinated. But, I mean, according to my friends that are in other universities, that's not, you know, that's not the norm. Like, that's not what they're doing. If you're vaccinated, you're basically, you know, off the hook. Uh Um, Never. Yeah. <laughs> from the testing perspective, not from COVID's perspective. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, yeah. even in Taiwan, there's been reports about people, be, you know, being fully vaccinated and 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 they get it, you know. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, 
I mean, yeah. basically, we we are being humble because we know that there's no guarantee in any case. Just basically, just follow the rules. You know, wear your mask. You know, wash your hands frequently. I think that applies for everyone, whether you're fully vaccinated or not. But anyway. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think yeah. COVID or not, you know, like mm. um, I think until COVID or not, yeah, um, yeah, until COVID, we really now looking back, like so many of very normal practices are um like so gross (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah so that's why you know now fewer people are going to the doctors because there fewer people are getting sick because we're wearing masks all the time you know yeah so i think this this really will be the new norm wearing masks i don't know about anything else but wearing masks will be a new norm I've got to get some nice fancy ones to go with my dress today or something. <laughs> anyway. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. I'm Shirley Lin, and today my guest is Minnie Sun, co-founder of Tower Mixed, a news aggregator of all kinds of news stories, cultural stories, and whatnot from Taiwan in English, and also a senior at George Washington University, majoring in international business and minoring in anthropology. Anyway, so going back on you, um, why international business and why anthropology <laughs> as a minor? <laughs> So international business is like a concentration, they call it a concentration, below business administration. So the major is business administration and the concentration is international business. And so when I first got into college, I just, you know, it was just the business administration part. And I did that, quite frankly, because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I had to pick something. And um, my, yeah, my dad is in business and I thought, you know, like, I'll just do that, um, which I feel like is, I, I think that's a common sentiment. I would like to think that I'm not the only one who is like, I have no idea what I want to do. Um, <laughs> and then I chose international business, I think one, because honestly, very practical reason. Um, it's ranked pretty high, like George Washington University's international business program is ranked well mm. um and second of all because i th- i thought i think at some point okay like of all fields of business what's something that i think as someone who has had to some extent exposure to people from different places mm. and who speak different languages and who regard you know different things as different things, different values as normal. Um, This is a field where I can, you know, kind of leverage these Mm. um, experiences. Um, Yeah, I know it was also something that I just found more interesting than like accounting or finance, I guess. Um, And so then we we know why you chose anthropology as uh, your minor, because you just said it, your interest in people and culture and languages, I guess. Yeah. How many languages do you speak? I speak English and Chinese, I'd say proficiently, fluently. I am um, conversational in Taiwanese and elementary Spanish, like, like school Spanish. 
So earlier on in the interview, we had found out that Minnie's son's parents have put her in American schools ever since she was small. I wonder if her parents had dreams for her and her sibling. She has a younger brother to go abroad, study abroad, and maybe even settle abroad, just like a lot of Taiwanese parents do. We'll definitely find out the answer to that and more on Minnie's life in next week's episode. For In the Spotlight, I'm Shirley Lin. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kilohertz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kilohertz. And in Southeast Asia, from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.